Hello everybody, welcome once again as we continue on in a series we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? This whole series is based on an encounter Jesus has with a very sick man at the pool of Bethesda uh, and he in effect extends the kingdom of God to him with the question do you want to get well? And I've said to you that this question is a, is a very deep, profound question. Uh, it impacts virtually every area of our lives. And that is something that we need to look at. And that, um, you know, in, in brief, sort of an overview of 18 weeks in, which is kind of hard to do with this is week number 19. Um, the, the, the answer to that question impacts the way we do everything. Do we want to get well? Do we want to do things God's way? Or do we want to continue to do things our way, which by default keeps us sort of doing things the way our adversary would have them do us? And that, um, that there's this, this battle that goes on. Um, that, that the enemy is trying to um, keep us sort of walking in darkness. And, and so he's, he's waged this war against us. Um, we have all the help that we need in Christ to overcome um, because at the cross, um, Jesus, you know, defeated the evil one and he's been rendered virtually powerless um, in, in the fact that all he has left are deceptions and lies and schemes and tricks to try and keep us in darkness. And if we're aware of those things, then it's much harder for that to happen and that, that in order to really experience life, we have to press in to Jesus because we're going to find life in him. He's come that we might have full and abundant now and forever life. The enemy wants to steal that away. So that's what's going on. And, and so when Jesus challenges this guy with a question, do you want to get well? It's, you know, it's a deep question. Do you want to make some changes in your life? Are you willing to have faith? Will you, will you trust that God is good? Will you break out of what's familiar? Um, because familiar is not, oftentimes familiar is not really good for us. It's just familiar. And, and so it's asking all those questions. And so we've been digging into a lot of things in relation to that question. And... Last week, I, I sort of took you in a direction where I said what we're going to talk about now for a little while is the idea of um, encouraging well, that part of our mission and purpose is to encourage others. As we um, have found out and experienced life in Jesus, that we're to, just like Jesus, um, we're to encourage other people. That's what Jesus was doing with the man at the pool. And, and um, I gave you two examples of this last week in our discussion about Jesus encouraging a tax collector named Matthew and, um, and encouraging someone who had failed completely um, in, in Peter and how their lives were transformed by his encouraging ministry to them. And that, um, that the church is called to, um, you know, following Jesus' example, be an encouragement to the world. And so we're, we're digging into that whole idea over the next few weeks. What does that look like? Um, how, how do we become people who encourage well? Having, having been given um, this amazing gift in Christ of life, how do we then in turn live in such a way that we can encourage others on the path? I want to I give you another sort of example of Jesus encountering someone today uh, in John chapter 8. And we're going to see how, uh, how Jesus encourages someone um, and we talked about labels. You know, we had a tax collector that was horrible. We had a, we had a failure, that label. And, and now we're going to talk about an adulterer. And, and we're going to see how the established religious community wants to treat this person and how Jesus treats this person. And see how by encouraging um, her, uh, her life is transformed and changed. But before we do, you know, I've got to do something. And I sort of ran out of time this week. 
to come up with the proper bad joke, which usually takes me quite a while. I just flat ran out of time. So I had to go with this. Um, Douglas sent me this earlier in the week. It's a really bad pun. That's all I had. It said this, I once made a belt out of watches. Turns out it was a waste of time. An español. Uh, it was either that or this one. What do you call an alligator in a vest? Investigator. See, and that's stupid, right? <laughs> Scripture reading. <laughs> John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. All this, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now, go now and leave your life of sin. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Um, this is, a, a, to me, a, an amazing encounter. I, I find it to be a, a gut-wrenching encounter because of the treatment that this, this woman receives at the hands of the established religious community. Um, it, it almost makes me sick um, in, in, in dealing with what that, the shame that must have been experienced, the embarrassment, the... Um, uh, being dragged before this, this group in such a self-righteous manner, um, uh, how uh, uh, unjustified and unfair it all is. You know, she was caught in adultery. There obviously had to be a man as well, and he's not there in front of the group. Um, it, it, it shows how, um, how prejudiced legalism can be uh, in, in situations. I just think it's... Uh, you know, it's a, really, it should, it should break your heart when you read what takes place um, in that process. And then, again, fill you with hope when we see the reaction of Jesus in the story. And I, I think a lot of times when people read this story, um, there's a tendency to spend a lot of time thinking about what Jesus was writing when he stooped down. And, and almost everyone has their own sort of pet theory about what he wrote in the sand, but the scripture doesn't say and uh, it's just not there. So whatever you think is, is whatever you think, but it's, it's not recorded in Scripture. And I think, you know, that might make some interesting discussion, but there's something more important, I believe, um, than what he wrote, whatever it was, and that's what he saw, what Jesus saw. See, the religious leaders and the crowds looked at and treated the woman caught in adultery with disgust and disdain. When they looked at her, all they could see was her sin. But Jesus looks at her and sees something beautiful. And see, the, the, the question we've been asking is, when you look at someone, is there sin all that you can see? And, and, and you know, 
we have to be so careful because the um, does the way that, that Jesus responds to her in any way say that sin isn't a big deal? Absolutely not. But what Jesus does is give her the encouragement to change and to grow into the person that God has created her to be. To move past the label of adulterer to child of God. And unless we're able to see past the sin in people's lives to the beauty of their potential, we'll never be able to encourage them to go and sin no more. See, that's what Jesus did that's so different than what we want. We, we often skip that step. We, we, we think we want to tell people to go and sin no more, but we, we come often like this established religious community in a place of judgment instead of first loving people well. Uh, if we don't love them first, uh, and, and, and then, then we, we never have the opportunity to speak into them about life. And, and, and so we, we have to be so careful that we don't become just like this group, this, this self-righteous group of people who basically attacks this, this woman. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they didn't care about her. They were just, all they cared about was their point, making their point. And, and again, we have to be careful because I see, you know, we have a tendency in the church to get so consumed about making a point that we forget about people. And we have to see people the way that Jesus did. We have to, if you look at the encounters Jesus has, he's, he's just not beaten up on people. He loves people. And, and um, his, his love is amazing. And he hangs out with people that the established religious community wouldn't hang out with. We saw it last week. He hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. He, 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 you know, he would go and eat with them. He would, he would include them in his world. He, you know, he, he loved sinners so much that the established religious community will often accuse him of being a sinner himself. When you read through this, the text, that's, that's what he did. Uh, he loves sinners so much that, that he willingly um, took on the, humili- the humiliation and the beatings and, and the being nailed to a cross and dying and giving his life for sinners. That's how much he loved them. Um, he loved this sinner so much that he did that for me. He loved you that much. And I just think we need to be careful that we never forget who, <laughs> where, who we are, where we came from, and, and why it is we're in relationship with God now. So that we always love people well. That's what we got. Um, that's what we got in this world. To encourage people, we got to love them well. And quit just being blinded by people's sin. Sin's a big deal, don't get me wrong. It always will be a big deal. Jesus had to go to the cross to deal with it. And, and I, I, I'm not making light of it at all. I'm just saying it's, we don't operate by pointing out people's sins. We, we operate by loving them so that we can love them to the point and they understand God's love to the point where then we can encourage them, hey, you know, change needs to take place in all of us. But that's what it's all about. So, so how do we get to there? How do, how do, we, how do we learn to encourage well? What does it look like? Um, and I, so I want to define encouragement so we're all sort of on the same page uh, with that. And then, and then over the next couple, three weeks, we're going we're gonna to dig into you know, the application of it and what it looks like. Um, encourage is a compound word. Um, the, the en is obviously the beginning, which means to put into, and um, the word courage, which means brave, strong, or confident. So to encourage literally means to put courage into someone. 
Encouraging well is about putting courage into people to trust and obey God because he loves them. Encouraging them helps them to say yes to the question, do you want to get well? Which is what we're all about. We want people to say yes to that question. Do you want to get well? Yes. Let's press into that. Um, If you add the prefix dis to the word, we like that word dis, we dis people uh, nowadays in our culture, but but, uh, 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 if you add the, the prefix dis to our word, it basically reverses the word that it's attached to. So to discourage would mean to take someone's courage away. Um, an encouraging person is really good. Pe- they're someone to, good to be around because they build you up with their words, with their actions, and with their attitudes. That's what an encouraging person does. To encourage well, it means you're building people up with your words, with your actions, and with your attitudes. A discouraging person leaves you feeling weak, hopeless, and fearful. Now in the New Testament, the word that we, we translate, um, encourage, is, is from the word uh, parakaleo. And, and uh, para means beside or alongside, and kaleo means to call or summon. And so uh, a paraclete is, is how that often comes out, is an encourager, is someone who comes alongside and brings comfort, hope, and courage. That's what it's all about, scripturally. That's what we're looking for. To encourage well means we come alongside people and we bring comfort, we bring hope, and we bring courage. That word paraclete is also the word that's used to describe the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's our paraclete. It's, it's translated comforter as well, besides encourager, but that's what he's doing for us. Because he's doing it with us, we're supposed to do it with others. So I've got a few points along those lines. Point number one is this. Encouraging well is expressed in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a ministry that's expressed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. It's a part of the ministry of Jesus and of the Father. And, as I already told you, of the Holy Spirit. But again, in John 14, 16, it says, Then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit, who will help. And there's that word. In the Greek, it can mean, me, it can mean comfort, encourage, or defend. He'll help you and always be with you. The Holy Spirit's there to encourage you, and he will always be with you. So we have this ministry demonstrated to us um, and expressed by the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Secondly, encouraging well is a main theme of the Bible. Encouraging well is a main theme of the Bible. The Bible's a book of encouragement, truth, hope, love, purpose, forgiveness, Romans 15, 4 and 5 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
We're to be encouragers with great patience. Careful instruction. Point three. Encouraging well is something every one of us should be doing. 100% of us. 100% of the church should be involved in encouraging well. There's no reason not to be. It's demonstrated to us by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the constant encouragement of the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus encounter people and extend this encouragement to them. And we're supposed to be doing what he did. And, and there's just no reason for us not to encourage well. It's how we impact the world around us significantly. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. And everywhere you see the word courage, comfort, I'm just going to read the encouragement. It's the same word, translated the same way. I just wrote it in there as encouragement. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort or encouragement who encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage those in any trouble with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. Since he's encouraged us, we're supposed to encourage others. And so it's, it's, uh, it's something that all of us should be actively involved in. That, that we all become people who encourage well. Now, just let me give you a couple of things to think about. Actually, I have five little things. Um, just little questions. So we're almost done with this today. Here's, here's the question, just to sort of do a little evaluation in your life. Do, um, do I speak more words of encouragement than I do of criticism, complaint, or correction? So, you know, be honest with yourself. Would you say that throughout the course of a day, do you speak more words of encouragement or are you currently speaking more words of criticism, complaint, or correction? Which is, is most natural to you at this point in your journey? Be honest. You may not like it. But I think that by nature, we have a tendency to be complainers and, and be fairly negative and see the bad in a lot of things. We're trained culturally to do that as well. So we have to um, really think about it and catch ourselves in the process. So, so, and just figure out where you're at. I mean, you know, I mean, you're doing some of both. What's the ratio? What we want to do is at least get that ratio so that we're, we're over 50% encouragement and moving towards getting that number higher in our lives. So just kind of look at it. Are you, did you, you know, and well, and here's a good way to figure that out too. Point two, are people more cheerful when they're around me? Do people like having you around? And you can tell. Um, do people like having you around? Do, do um, or, or uh, I, I want to be careful I say this. Or, or do you somehow um, take all the oxygen out of the room when you're in there? I don't know what else to describe that. Uh, you know, are you, do people like to be around you? Because you encourage them. Because they feel good when they're around you. You make them feel better. You, you, um, you, you are comforting them. You're, you're giving them hope by your words, by your actions, and by your attitudes, by the way you treat other people, by the things that you say, by the things that you don't say. This is a big one. Would your family consider you to be an encouraging person? Would your family believe that you're an encouraging person or not? Because really that's you know, where the, the rubber meets the road. Um, 
And, and really, it's also answering that question will help you determine, number one, are you spending more time encouraging or criticizing and complaining? This is another biggie. Um, these next two are sort of wrapped together. And what keeps a lot of people from being encouragers is this. Do I pass along good news and let gossip stop with me? Or do you do just the opposite? Do you somehow forget to pass along good news and, and, and yet any bit of gossip that comes your way gets shared? Because encouraging people do the opposite. We pass along good news. We let gossip stop with us. It should hit us. It should just hit you like a brick wall. Um, when, when you're, when, with you're with people that are gossiping, um, it, it should just stop with you. Just don't engage in it. You can be kind. I'm not saying we need to be rude, but just don't engage in it. And yet, we've had this discussion. It's very seductive to get involved in gossip. And... Um, there's something that, that causes us to bond illegitimately with people while we're judging other people. And with the other question is, you know, in, in your conversations with, with friends, um, would you say that, that the tenor of those conversations is generally building up other people? Or not? Is it the opposite? Um, all of that just, and again, we've all got stuff in our lives. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not picking and, and I'm just saying these things to say, look, to encourage well, we have to really take a good look at where we're coming from. And um, if, we, if we don't, if we're, see, when we're not encouraging well, we become the opposite. We get very hard-hearted. We take in all this judgment and stuff that we're passing out on people as gossip goes by. We get critical. And rather than loving people well, we just start picking out their sin and, and not loving them at all. And, and we have a history, the church, of doing that, that we have to stop. Because we lose our impact. We lose our voice when we do that. Um, we, we get so caught up in, in labeling sin that we, we forget about these people that God created and loves, who he went to great lengths for to have relationship with. And, and uh, they, they won't come to know him if the representatives that God has are these really mean-spirited, not very nice people. Um, we, we have to love well. We have to encourage well. We have to not gossip. We have to care about people. We, we have to just... Trust that the Spirit of God is the one who changes people from the inside out, just like he did with us. And, and that he's still doing with us. Nobody here has arrived yet. All of us got issues. Everybody in the room. I do. So, so you know, we have to continue to, 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 to ask God to help us see people that way so that we can encourage well. Because this, this, this whole thing is modeled to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in this. This is where, where it happens is an encouraging well. We've, and we've looked at three encounters already. And we've seen where Jesus moves into a situation and, and um, in, in like ways that, that we may not expect him to culturally um, or even from our religious viewpoint sometime because he, he just does things that we don't expect. But, but he always does it because he loves people in order that they'll change, which is what he's all about. So that's good for, um, for this one. Just think about that, some of those questions this week. You know, where can you make some improvement? And, and can we be an encouraging person? Can we, can we really work in our conversation, be just aware in our conversations of what we're saying and, and what's being said and, and how we can um, be those people who bring, you know, hope into the midst of conversation in a world that's kind of hopeless? 
Um, and, and that's what we're called to do. And it's as we do that and as we love well that we have the opportunity then to um, uh, introduce people to the, the life-changing encounter they can have, the transforming life-changing encounter they can have with Christ who makes all things new and changes us from the inside out. So that's enough for today. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you for spending time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you doing it very, very much. Um, if you need prayer, go to the website at keysvenue.com or you can call us and we'd be happy to pray for you. If you can come and visit, if you're in Big Pine, come and see us. Lots of services all weekend long and during the week, something virtually every day going on here. So we'd love to have you come and visit. So uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you soon.